When I was in seventh grade, I went to a school called Ross Corners Christian Academy, and it was connected to a church. And that church had a pastor, and the pastor's name was Pastor Howard. And going to classes, I would go from the school building to the church. And one morning, I was walking by uh, Pastor Howard's office in the church, and Pastor Howard said, hey, Peter, how you doing? And with a big smile and a grin in his face, he asked me, what did you read in the Bible this morning? And I paused and I had never heard that question asked with so much joy and whimsy. And from that moment on, it started a great relationship with Pastor Howard. I'd go into his office and we'd talk about the Bible. He actually helped me learn how to preach. He was one of the biggest influences in my life. And so as we start this brand new year and we talk about reading the Bible, I wanted to invite him to be part of the message this morning. So I'd love to introduce you to Pastor Howard. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thanks. Doing well. Why don't you, uh, before we jump into the message, why don't you take a little time to introduce yourself, tell people where you're at right now. Sure. Well, a lot has happened since we met those days long ago in Ross Corners. Uh, my wife Susan and I uh, have four grown children. And uh, we have, I would have said yesterday that we have 10 grandchildren, but yesterday I received a text message with uh, two of our granddaughters and, a, and an ultrasound of baby number three. So we're, uh, we have 11 grandchildren uh, very soon. Uh, and we, um, we went from Ross Corners to uh, a couple other ministries, and currently I'm serving as a part-time assistant pastor at Bible Baptist Church in Williamson. Uh, and came there originally for as a discipleship pastor. Uh, so we, uh, uh, we've been in ministry. I've been in some kind of church leadership since I was 17, um, and I'm, I'm closing in on 65 now. And so it's just a joy to serve God in whatever capacity. Um, we are, I'm currently doing pulpit supply, and eventually we'll be moving on to do some other kinds of ministry. So in a nutshell, uh, it's been ministry, and uh, we really enjoy our family, and uh, it's getting fuller. <laughs> well, you know, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, congratulations on thank grandchild number eleven. So, well, let's dive right in. Um, so, the passage we're reading today is Colossians three fifteen. Uh, just a, one of the things I love to do is I love to kind of give people a background before we read a passage. Sure. And when you and I talked um, and prepared for this, we talked about how. Colossians is a book that's written to people who may have never heard or understood Christianity. Right, right. Coming from a pagan background, all kinds of things. Yeah, and I think part of understanding the verse that we're about to read, too, is all of us kind of go through this, is that we're trying to follow Jesus, and we're trying to live out the message of life change, the message of the gospel, but we don't always realize the influences or the assumptions or how our culture affects us. And I, I think that that's a key to important uh, to an understanding this verse today. Sure, right. And this, uh, this chapter, I think, is like a, a master class on spiritual growth, and it's really exciting to talk about this verse in its context. Well, without, if you said master class, then let's go right to it. <laughs> so uh, Colossians 3.16 says this, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, as you teach and admonish one another, with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. So 
my hope is we're talking about reading the Bible, you know, we're talking about studying it. And so I, I really want us to kind of dig deep into this verse. So where I think it's kind of helpful to go, as you and I have kind of prepared for this, why don't you give our friends kind of a big picture of Colossians 3 to help us understand it? Sure. The The, the chapter is, again, it's, um, it is to instruct these people that come from a variety of backgrounds on on how to successfully grow in Christ. And and it's no surprise that uh, that Paul starts with what we think about. And he addresses the commands in this passage to the whole group. Though sometimes we apply it, we read it as if this is for me individually. In a sense, it really is. But he addresses all the believers at Colossians, at Colossae, this community needs to act in certain ways. And it's just interesting that he begins with um, seek and, and form the habit of thinking the above things, literally. Uh, and then he talks about, you know, after he said, think these, then he says, there are some below things not to think about. And I find fascinating, then he deals with them in reverse order. He doesn't tell us immediately what above things are or below things are, but after he says those, then he goes in reverse order. He speaks in verses five through eight, uh, 11 things that ought not to be in our thoughts and ought not to be in our actions. And then he goes back to the above things. There are 10 things in 12 through 14 um, that ought to be part of our thinking and part of our practice. So you have the above things, below things, below things, and above things. And um, it's emphasizing kind of in the middle the kinds of things that need to be stripped out of the life. He uses the word put to death, which is interesting to me. It's like um, some things that when we come to Christ, we change radically, really quickly. Other things kind of atrophy. We, we stop using those so much in practices or thoughts, and they, they fade away over time. And I think in the maturity process, you could see that in your own life and other people's lives. So you have this, uh, these thoughts that lead to actions, and then we eventually come to verse, well, the, the highest um, action thought is agape, agape love, in, uh, down toward the end of that list. And uh, that verse um, has become, or that idea has become very important to me over the years. I've, I've gotten a more refined view of what love is. I define agape love uh, as, uh, when you boil it down to the essence, it's, it's doing acts of kindness for someone. And, um, and I, four tests that, I, that I've kind of raised in my own mind is that it's done voluntarily, number one. It's an act of kindness that is done without strings attached. It's an act of kindness that, is, that costs me something. And the greater the cost, the more powerful the love. And then it's an act of kindness that does good over the long haul. Um, sometimes we make a decision, we want to do something kind, but sometimes it's not the best over the long haul. So those four tests... Um, I, I use constantly in describing what agape love is. And so you have these thoughts and actions that Paul uh, believes ought to be part of the Christian experience and growth. And then the question is, okay, well, uh, where do these come from? And so then we come to verse 16, uh, where he begins talking about specifically, um, let, it, let these words, let the message of Christ, the things he said, the kinds of life he lives, let they let them permeate the whole community. And I've mentioned when we were preparing this that it's, it's really the emotional high spot uh, of this context. And I say that because underneath the English, there's, uh, of course, there's Greek there. And uh, underneath is uh, when, when an author in Hebrew or Greek 
uh, gets excited, <laughs> they start leaving out ands. Uh, they start leaving out connectives. And you could tell from how he writes that he's getting pretty passionate at this point. And so uh, this is something for the community, and he's pretty excited about verse 16. Well, I, I think that that's powerful because, so verse two, which is where we started, you said, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. And, you know, I think sometimes we read the Bible and we forget that there's these, uh, there's these connection points or streams of thought. Uh, and that Paul, what he's doing here is like what you said in verses five to 11, he's talking about the below things, the earthly things. Mm -hmm. And then I love what you said in 12 to 14, because Love is this connective tissue. It's it's what really binds us together. And what you're even saying to get us to verse 16 is like, how do we live this out? Because it's not just it's not just that we um, we create our own self will to do it. Like there has to be not just a change in our heart. There has to be a change in our mind. And that's where I think the power of verse 16 is. Sure. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, and they, um, I, I just something you mentioned when you talked about uh, above all these things put on love, which is the bond of perfection. It's it, the the Greek is the perfect glue <laughs> that holds it all together. Is these acts of kindness done for one another, and and these thoughts come from someplace. Mm -hmm. And again, they come from um, Christ's instruction. They come from how Christ behaved. He went everywhere doing good. You see him doing all the time his acts of kindness for others. So it's the word. That, that produces these kinds of ideas and thoughts that, that then form the basis of actually doing them. Mm. Well, and I think that that's powerful because as we kind of go deep into this verse, let the message of, of Christ dwell among you richly. And so uh, I think it's important for us to talk about, because some people are like, is it the message of Christ? Oh, yeah. Is it the word of Christ? Is it the word of God? You know, and and the Greek word, it's a pretty important Greek word. It's logos. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, how how do we help people kind of draw the line from message of Christ to kind of reading their Bible? How would you help people do that? Yeah, uh, the, the, the logos is, of course, uh, I think Paul is talking about everything that Jesus has said. And um, I, had a, I, had, I had a professor who, when he first came to Christ, he asked his pastor, why are these words in red? And his pastor said, well, only the words of Christ are red. Well, my friend misheard not R-E-D, but R-E-A-D. <laughs> so he spent a long time just reading the words in red. And uh, so somewhere along the line, someone said, no, all of them, you read all of them. But uh, Paul is a uh, is an authorized representative of Jesus Christ and, and the other apostles as well. And, and when, you, when you read the New Testament, in essence, you're reading the word of Christ. So wherever you read, you're reading what Christ said, either directly or, uh, or through apostles and prophets and, and, uh, of the New Testament and Old Testament too. And so it is, it's all of this that's important uh, to put into the, into the life and thought. And sometimes when, when, I read, uh, when I read it, let this, you know, let the word, it's like, so, you know, is it permission sort of thing, you know? But in the, the, in the original, it's, it's a strong imperative, is you must absolutely, uh, on the authority of Jesus Christ, you must make this, you know, you must make the words of Christ part of the community, part of this group. 
and, and he uses the word richly, abundantly. So you need to be saturated in it, you need to be immersed in, in what Christ has said. And, and it includes the, the, the Bible, you know. It's just a fast way of saying, make sure that the Bible is richly represented among you. Well, and, and another big word is, is the word dwell. Uh-huh. And I think that sometimes, like, we're, this is the beginning of a new year, and many of us are reflecting and thinking about making wholesale changes in our life. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I go back to verse 14 when you talk about love. I don't think there's anybody listening to us that says, man, I, I, really, I really conquered love, yeah. you know. And I think some of us too, we we want to be different people and we want to change. Mm-hmm. And, you know, pastors like you and me, we come in and say, well, read your Bible. Right. And I think what this verse does though, is it kind of connects. And I think it connects in two ways. Number one, you know, I always encourage people to read all of like an epistle, all of a book of the Bible in one sitting, because in Colossians 2, there's a few assumptions and lies that Paul deals with. So even now coming into this verse, let the message of Christ dwell richly. You're in a world that's receiving all of these lies and assumptions, and it's receiving all of these messages. And I I can't secondly help but think of what that does for us today. Mm -hmm. You know, we live in a world that is full of news. It's full of different messages. And I don't think everybody is, is operating out of, you know, trying to be false or mm-hmm. trying to lead people in a different direction. It's just overwhelming. Sure. So when Paul gets passionate, you know, one of the things I loved in our pre-conversation, if you do nothing else, <laughs> like let the message of Christ dwell richly. That's why I think it's powerful because there's other changes that come from the simple habit of spending time with God and God's word. Right, right. And that saturation uh, that familiarity with the Word of God really changes things. And we've talked, too, about um, there's a growth in this process, too. There's, uh, it's incremental. You know, it's, it's little by little by little over the course of time. Uh, we started someplace in our relationship to reading the Scriptures and having devotions and sorts of things. And, you know, I've walked with the Lord quite a long time, but it's, it's incremental, and I was mentioning too that the odd thing for me is I'm, I'll be 65 next year, and the insights that are coming from God's word now are just just surprising me. I'll say, "Boy, you know, Lord, I sure could have used this 30 years ago." And and there's something I was reading Proverbs that would talked about the wise keep on learning, and it just dawned on me that that perhaps. It, it takes a, a degree of life experience and wisdom before some of the things in Scripture really begin to to click and make a difference. Not that they do earlier, but I'm just finding it richer and deeper, you know, uh, at this point in my life. Came to Christ as a five-year-old, um, so that's uh, quite a lot of years, but it's incremental. And we talked about also that that it's that, that there's seasons of life too in which it's easier to spend time in the word of god easier than other times uh, when i was first a pastor i was in a small country church in fact the office was in the old woodshed so people would joke about having to go to the woodshed to see the pastor but i had a lot of time just to soak in the word of god and that was so helpful for for preaching and teaching god's word and then the children came along and the busyness comes along and 
and it's just it's harder sometimes it's it's my wife found it you know extremely difficult to just have have time for herself and so did i during the busy years and i was saying i have a, have a friend who came to talk about being discipled um it's one of my functions where i am and i just said so when are you going to do this because he is so busy with life he's he's successful in so many different areas but uh said so where are you going to find the time um, perhaps you know you just need to hold on and uh, and read you know listen to God's word as you drive in your car some of those kinds of things but at different seasons there's different challenges too with with this incremental but it's a cumulative effect over the long haul of getting God's word into your life sometimes you could do a lot more sometimes not as much but it's cumulative is is my point well and you know it's interesting I I brought the first Bible I ever used to kind of study. Um, it's taped. It's a kid's application Bible. And um, I I don't know why I picked a blue highlighter. Like you just you can't even see the verses. But, you know, one of the things I think that we do is, you know, there's things in my life like spreadsheets and budgets and meta- that like that's just not the way I think and the way you know, kind of I feel, and it's an almost an incomplete picture. For me to go into that world, mm-hmm. it takes some work and some effort. And I think sometimes, you know, our listeners, you know, they're they're coming to us and they're like, well, Peter, Peter and Pastor Howard just had this great talk about the Bible. But what I love of what you're saying is it is a cumulative effect. And, you know, just, just to be fully transparent, um, I remember... One of the first messages I preached, um, I I took this old historical speech and I put three Bible verses with it. I did nothing with context. I listened I'd, to it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so biblically speaking, Browncroft, it was pretty bad. So, but what you did was you were kind enough and you said, hey, sit down with me and and you walked me through, hey, this is how you study a passage. This is, and I think that if we release the pressure of feeling like we need to be perfect or understand it, that's when we can begin to see how God's working in us. Sure. I was mentioning too before that, that um, two mistakes Christians make with Bible study is one, they don't look up words they don't know. <laughs> and the other is they don't look up words they do know. And Bible study is 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 really soaking carefully through you know through each text and taking the time and and uh, sometimes we can do that sometimes we can't do that very easily. I I think it's interesting in verse sixteen that uh, he gets very practical. Um, how do you how do you do this? How do you let it dwell? How do you let it dwell richly? And he uses three. Uh, they can be taken as imperatives: teach. And then encourage, and uh, and then sing. Uh, very practical things that you could do with God's word. Teaching we're familiar with, preaching, uh, and all kinds of opportunities we have to hear God's word taught, and then encouraging um, or exhorting one another. It's one of those things where you say, you're, you know, you're dealing with some, you're having a conversation, you're dealing with some problem. You say, you really ought to do this, yeah. you know. You really ought to follow this prescription or these, uh, you know, the way that Christ did it or the apostles command, but you really ought to do it this way. Uh, What I uh, I like about this passage, too, is that 
that Paul is is like a good parent. Um, the good parents don't stop with rebuke. You know, we say stop doing that. A good parenting also includes correction. Stop doing that. Start doing this. And I love that about this passage too. Is that there are things to strip away, but but there are things to put in their place. And again, uh, spending time in God's Word and and continually asking, you know, what is this? How do I apply this? How do I put this in my life? What things need to be replaced? What these need to be got rid of and replaced with these things? I I love that process in this passage too. Well, and I think it's important for everybody to hear, even in this new year, you know, what you're bringing up about with the whole verse. I'm actually going to start with the end oh, sure. about singing. Um, this is why we sing on Sunday mornings. We we sing and proclaim truth to each other. We, you know, and a lot of the best songs are actually written to scripture because there's something that happens to us. Um, you know, even with teaching, you know, some people are like, I, I never teach the Bible but when you read the Bible, even to your child mm-hmm. or oh, right. to a friend, mm-hmm. and and where I want to really focus is this idea of admonishing or exhorting or encouraging, you know. And I want to go back to the original story that we started with, is you know one of the things that I love about you is how you normalize talking about Scripture. And I think where some of us get bent out of shape is, you know, we're afraid of being legalistic. You know, we're afraid to admit that maybe we listened to the scripture and didn't get anything out of it. But I, I, I hope for the church, I hope for individuals that we normalize just, hey, this morning, you know, I was reading in Revelation about God being the Alpha and Omega. Mm-hmm. And that might be the only thing that I remember, but I really dwelled with that. And now I'm talking to you about that. And so I think that one of the most powerful things about changing a habit, changing the way we think, changing the way we treat people, is we have to dwell on these things. We actually have to talk about it. Well, I, yeah, I was just thinking that on occasion, I'll ask permission, say, would you mind if I asked you from time to time, what did you read today? Yeah. You know, or what did you, what are you thinking about today? Or what, are you, what verse are you meditating on today? Some of those things have been really helpful for me. You know, as a teenager, I, I met a, another teen who, for the first time, I, I watched her carry her Bible out of her books. And whenever we had conversations, it was about, this is what I'm studying, this is what I'm reading. And it really impressed me and, and got me into the Word. In fact, she helped me purchase my first Bible. It's not this one. It, it's, it's somewhere at home. It's, it's falling apart. But uh, I started as a teenager beginning to read earnestly for my own. And, and I've made this point with my family, too, is that somewhere along the line, you have to own it for yourself. And for me, it was as a teenager uh, when I began to reading, uh, you know, reading it for myself and, uh, and finding different ways, devotional books or series, reading through the Bible. You know, there's a lot of different things that, that I've tried over the years. And, um, and again, it's a cumulative thing. Um, and I, I, I've mentioned before too that I'm still adjusting things that that I've thought. I, I mentioned that in Romans 14 when it talks about weaker brother and, uh, and the stronger brother, I always thought that one was mature and one was immature. But I'm coming to understand that that um, that Paul never says we ought to talk to them and correct them and all that sort of thing one side or the other. It's like let them be. Some faith can be very simple. 
some people I know have a very simple faith. They they trust Christ completely. They they walk with the Spirit. They 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 um, they herald Christ all the time, and but it, it's a more simplistic. Now, for me, I want to know what's below and what's below that, and what's the reason for that, and that sort of thing. Um, but that's not everyone. Uh, we can have a really solid, committed walk and trust in Christ. Uh, and it's just different depths, it's different things, and it's different qualities during our lifetimes too. Uh, anyway, that's, uh, I'm not sure if all that fits into what we're saying, <laughs> but, but I'm old, I get off the track easy. Uh, no, it's all good. I, I love how you're talking about uh, the dynamic nature of us studying Scripture. Um, it's not that Scripture changes, but we change. And back a few moments ago, you even talked about our experience. And I even noticed that the difference of reading the scripture from when I was single to married mm -hmm. to now having two kids. And so, you know, I, I think that part of this whole process is to realize you don't have to master it the first time you read it or the first time you make it a habit. So I want to just encourage our, our audience and I want to encourage Browncroft, you know, to take a next step towards the habit of spend time with God and reading the Bible. You know, there's two ways you can do that. Number one, you can go to our browncroft.org slash resources. There's a page there on how to read the Bible. But the second thing is we're going through, we're offering a, a program for the year, which is called Core 52. And uh, Core 52, uh, what we want to address is there's some people that it's not what should I read in the Bible that's the problem, it's the how. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think what we're even saying here too is, you know, you might feel some hesitation, you might feel some anxiety. You know, we want to offer Core 52 as a way to maybe give you the how, but also the big picture of the Bible. And it goes through, you know, the 52 core verses of the Bible. And the reason we want, why we want to do that and kind of offer you these resources is what you and I are talking about in Colossians 3.16 is there's power when God's word is in us. There's power in the everyday, the mundane, the highs and the lows. And, and even as you think about your resolutions, you know, in some ways you're inviting Jesus through prayer and Bible reading to say, God, what do you want to do in my life in 2023? Mm. So I'll give you the final word and then a prayer. What, what would you say to Browncroft about reading God's word? And uh, what are some other additional thoughts? Well, it's so, the word of God is so powerful in our lives. And um, as you were saying, it, it's interesting in, uh, in your season of life too, what jumps out at you. And, and sometimes when you're reading God's Word, something doesn't jump out at you, but there are those times when it's just a brilliant, life-changing insight. And I, I love those moments in my own life, and I, I love to see them transforming other people's lives too. And it's just a constant attention, just getting in the Word, getting in the Word, making a habit of thinking those things and letting them transform your life. Hmm. Pastor Howard, thank you so much for joining you're us. You're very welcome. I, uh, I love introducing you to Browncroft. This is great. So. Yeah. Uh, why don't you close us in prayer? I'd be glad to. Father, thank you for, uh, for Pete and for this group of, of friends who, who are gathered at Browncroft. And, and I just pray your, your very richest blessing on their lives and, and on the individuals. May, uh, may the word of God for all of us become more precious and more valuable and, uh, and more insight-filled. And may it, uh, may it truly transform us into a community, a lighthouse, um, a glowing uh, presence in our community. And uh, we pray that you would, uh, would bless and help 
and encourage us to, uh, to listen closely to you, to take it to heart, and uh, see our lives become all that you'd want them to be. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.